there, and welcome along to another edition of the 116 podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. If you'd like to know more about what that means, look at our website, peoria1.com. That's a place you can also get in touch with us and have some conversation with us. 116 is a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria, but this is for everyone. And even though today's conversation is going to center on the ministry that we do, I think it's a conversation that will wrap everybody in who's asking questions about on-location church, online church. What is safe these days? Is it time for us to return to church? Because even though a good number of people have done that, still churches throughout this country are finding that a good number of people just are not coming back. So uh, my guest here, Pastor Tim Osmond. Pastor, thank you so very much for joining us today. I would guess you would have some thoughts on this matter. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, yep. I'm quick that way. So let's, let's just get the ball rolling here. Uh, ask this question, is it safe at this point in time, is it safe to return to church? You know, I was sitting here thinking that you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> and, I, and I thought to myself, you know what? Church should never be safe. Mm, be- I like that. Because if like we that. believe in a holy God who has a call on all of our lives to be engaged in ministry and mission wherever we are, uh-huh. uh, that's a that's a dangerous place to be, knowing that God could call me to any number of things. So on the that's one so hand, uh, spiritually, uh, church ought to be a little bit of a dangerous place, knowing that God might actually break open the skies and the Holy Spirit descend and lead us into any number of, of activities that God's calling us to in order to help change the world. Yeah. But um, in terms of this pandemic, I, I think it's a safe place to be now. Now, I, you know, I can't say it's 100% safe. There's always flus, viruses, colds, any number of illnesses out there roaming right. around. Right. Um, but this COVID virus that has now mutated seems to be uh, much more like a common cold than anything else, especially for those who've been vaccinated, mm-hmm. and even in some regards for those who have been vaccinated. So I think we're as safe as, as any grocery store you're going to go into. People are going back to the theater now. Concerts are happening, sporting events. I think we're as safe as any of, of those places. And so I would encourage people to consider coming back. And, you know, this conversation is being had here a lot, and we're kind of in a weird position where all of a sudden the government leaders who were so vocal at the beginning of the pandemic really are not offering that much help here at this point in time, except we're noticing that uh, mercifully, at least the point where we're recording this, numbers seem to be uh, going in a much better direction, it seems like. and uh, But we're not even sure, you know, about some of the questions that people ask of us. What, what are, so, so how do we proceed? I mean, is it still mask season for us? I, I have suggested to people for the moment to mm-hmm. go ahead and remain masked. We've had, um, I hate to say it this way, but we've had great compliance with people wearing a mask. Others have had real arguments in churches mm-hmm. about whether they should wear masks or not. And and there's really been some wars kind of go on in the life of churches. We've not had that, and most of our people have been more than willing to mask. So at this point, we're not chasing people down the hallway, you know, forcing them to wear a mask, but we are suggesting masks because we still have some vulnerable members of our church, some who are elderly, some who have reasons why they can't get vaccinated. I mean, they have legitimate reasons why. And, and so we're, we've asked people to go ahead and remain masked. Now, my hope is, is that in, in the next few weeks, our governor is going to make a statement. But like you said, you said yeah. governors seem reluctant to make statements because 
for some of them it's an election year, and mm-hmm. I think they're afraid that it might cause them to probably lose votes, whatever decision they make uh, in the polls. So some for some reason they're not telling us what we ought to be doing. So we, we've noticed that uh, around the country there seems to be some trends in church attendance that are, are actually fairly consistent from small to large churches. Um, how are things at, at churches these days? How are things specifically at uh, First United Methodist Church? And have we seen anything different going on than what we might call the old normal? Yeah, it is different than the old normal. And most congregations have been averaging about a 60% return rate. Now, some have had 100, some have actually gained members. Mm. Most of them are not gaining non-churched people. They're just gaining members from churches that may have closed or Uh. from other churches that maybe either required a mask, and so this church doesn't, so they end up at this church, Mm -hmm. or vice versa. But our particular case, we're we're running uh, just about right in the middle of the pack. We're about 60% of our regular Attenders are back to church, which is about 350 in average attendance uh, over the year. And that number fluctuates depending on, you know, weather and, and right. you know, sporting events and all kinds <laughs> of things that yeah. may cause people to not come back. But, but most have returned. Our online numbers, by the way, we have on average 285 unique views every week. Wow. And so wow. that is a number that only represents a computer or a smartphone or a a TV that's hooked to the Internet uh, that people have logged in with one of those devices. What we don't know is whether or not that's a single person watching or whether it's a family of five. And so a lot of people are multiplying that number of unique views by either one and a half or two and a half to try to get at a number of average viewers. And so if you're watching at home with your family – you know, you may be a family of five, but that number that we get is only a one, that one person has logged in. Um, and really, it's not saying a person's logged in, it's just saying a device is logged in. Mm-hmm. But it may represent five individuals. So anyways, on average, we're getting 285 unique um, logins every week. Uh, so if you do the math, it's about 428 to maybe 550 individuals who are watching either as a family or as an individual person. Now, I, I've done a lot of, I mean, with, with the job that I do, especially dealing with digital media, just doing a lot, I've done a lot of times coming up with the theology and thinking about this because uh, so many important questions have been been raised. One of the things we're saying is that we're in the midst of changes that were going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. The pandemic simply accelerated them. But but I'm, I'm wondering your thoughts on this at the moment, and that is, is online church legitimate church, and or is it something that that is less than ideal and we should try to move away from. What are your thoughts on that? No, I think um, that online church, uh, I, I think it's something that's absolutely needed. So on the one hand, it's something needed, especially during a pandemic or when we've had like a snow day and we couldn't get here because of ice, mm-hmm. that people have an opportunity to log on. Or maybe they're on vacation or maybe they've been in the hospital and they can't get here. For whatever reason, having online worship as well as um some of our our Zoom Sunday school classes or small groups, it really benefits those who cannot get here at all. So there's a great benefit on that one one side. It's also a benefit to those who maybe have never been to church ever before, but they're mm-hmm. curious about the faith and what what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? And those individuals can log on in 
in what I would call a safe way uh, so that um, they don't have to interact with people yet. Uh, they, they can watch online and see what this worship experience looks like. What is going to be required of me? When do I stand? When do I sit? You know, do I have to sing? You know, all those things. And they can begin to learn what, what church is like, as well as, I think, hear the good news of Jesus Christ in a very safe environment in their own home. Um, and for others, um, they're finding that that may may not be wanting to return to church because they're enjoying the online experience so much. It's just easier for them on the one hand, as well as, again, it offers them an opportunity to worship without having to get out in the bad weather or in the rain or whatever's happening. So I think online, I want to say is, um, I, I don't want to, I'm trying to think how to say it. It's not less than worship in person, but it's not everything that you're going to get when you worship in person. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I've kind of felt that way too. I mean, I'm, I'm all about the gathering. I mean, that's what Jesus was about gathering the believers together as, as a community. And that seems to involve being face to face with each other, having that interaction. And at the same time, there is a certain type of gathering that takes place in the digital realm as well, that maybe couldn't happen in, in any other forum. So, you know, and I've, I've, struggled with that idea as well. And that is that it's, it's serving a purpose that needs to be, that clearly is meeting a need. And at the same time, we recognize there's just nothing quite like the physical gathering of of believers. So, and and you mentioned maybe getting comfortable. Do you think that's the only reason why people are still staying away? I, no, I don't think it's just because they're getting comfortable. I do want to back up for just a moment and say, you know, a number of years ago, I used to watch hockey on TV on a very rare occasion. It just, I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't, you know, there. I didn't know what offsides meant. There was just all these things that I didn't understand. And somebody invited me to a hockey game in St. Louis when we were living down in that area. Mm-hmm. And so I got to go see the Blues play hockey and uh, got to go in that arena. And I'm telling you, my experience, I wanted to go back. Mm-hmm. Not because what I was watching on the, on the field was they're down there on the ice playing. But just the people around me, just the <laughs> emotional energy that right. was a part of that experience was just um, different. I, you just can't get that from home. And I'm sure similarly, when people watch baseball on TV, I enjoy watching baseball on TV. I'll be honest, about fifth inning, I'm usually taking a nap, you know. But when I've been in, you know, a stadium, you know, to watch uh, the Cubs or the Cardinals or whoever play, it is a totally different experience when, when you're a part of that crowd and the roar and, mm-hmm. and you just get caught, sure. you know, you get caught up in the game. Yeah. And I think there's something that happens similarly when we're in worship in person that you don't get online um, to stand with other people and sing with them. And especially when you're around folks who are in full voice and to be caught up in the prayer of the moment, or when somebody goes down to the altar and we gather around them to pray there is something unique that happens when you're actually able to lay a hand on someone's shoulder and pray for them and hear part of their story and and witness them weeping for whatever reason and knowing that God's brought deliverance to their life. There's just something you can't get online, as right. good as online may be, mm-hmm. but there's something unique that happens. And maybe it'd be good to interject this thing. I was listening to a podcast where the uh, the host was just railing against digital ministries and the problem with digital ministry and the problem with doing it online. And I was so aware that he was doing it from a digital platform. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I recognizing that the 
what we're doing right now is coming from a digital platform and there is great value in this conversation. And, and, and maybe that's where I tend to fall is realizing that the, there is great value in doing what you can do digitally, but also doing what you can do and what you're willing and able to do in, in gathering believers as well. So let some things work as they work, but always strive towards gathering together in, in, in healthy community. And Absolutely. I don't know, do, do you think that's, no, I no, I absolutely yes, I absolutely agree with you. And you know, you know, again, the the analogy of sport. You know, when I had to listen to uh, AM radio mm-hmm. in order to hear a ball game, mm-hmm. um, I you know, I'd get lost in what was going on. But then came TV, and I was able to watch some games that were on TV, and that's a whole different experience. But there's nothing like being in sure. a stadium, fi- you know, filled with people. And I think the same is true of our own experience. We've Christian uh, has been. The faith has been on the radio for a long time. You know, there's a right. lot of kinds of Christian radio right. stations that are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we went to TV, and, and, and there are some really good on TV, and there's some not so great. Uh, <laughs> but it offered a, a unique experience. But, again, there's nothing like being in-house, in, in the presence of other people who are worshiping. So then we get back to that question, why, yeah. why do you think people aren't uh, returning pastor? Well, I think, you know, part, part of the reason some are not returning is Frankly, some really can't because they're in that vulnerable population. They may be taking chemotherapy or their immune system may be lowered. So they really shouldn't be in large crowds. Even regardless of the pandemic, they're told by their doctor you really need to avoid large crowds because your immune system is such that if you even got a common cold, it it might be fatal. Sure. Um, but there are others um, who have not returned. I think in a, in a large part, it frankly, is just simply out of habit that they've gotten out of the habit of coming mm-hmm. to church. And anything we do, frankly, is a habit. We have good habits. We have bad habits. Coming to church happens to be, I hope people think, that's a good habit of getting up and coming to church. Yeah. And so there was a, a study done in 2009. Uh, it got printed in some journal. And it suggested that habits are formed anywhere between 85 days and 200 and I think 60 days. So a, a habit doesn't get formed. Some people, there's a number out there of 20 or 22 days a habit's formed. Most say, well, you know, they've taken the study that was done then out of context. So the real study says 85 days, after 85 days, you've created a habit, which is why pe- people want to get to the gym. So they get in the habit of going to the gym, and once they get out of the habit, it might be months, weeks, or years, and they realize, you know what, I've not been to the gym in however long. Same is true of, of church life. Some people just get out of the habit of getting up in the morning and going to church. And this pandemic, if you remember, the first time we were out of church, we were out of church for about six months before we were able to actually come back to church. Mm-hmm. And so that for many people, if they're in the 85 range, they already their habit was already set in that six-month period. We've been wrestling with this pandemic for a little over two years. So we're way beyond the 280-day mark. So we have just, I think, have a, a number of people, frankly, just out of the habit of coming to church. Do, do you think maybe this whole discussion kind of gets us back to one of the, the discussions that's actually happened through the ages, and that is, uh, what is church? Is it really necessary to do this or that? I mean, and it happens to a degree in a congregation such as ours, where we have both traditional and contemporary and even bilingual congregations. Uh, do you think that that conversation has something to do with this as well, just trying to figure out what is church? What am I to do if I follow Jesus? Sure. 
I no, I think so, and I think so, often uh, people question, "Do I need to go to church in order to, to be a Christian?" And you know, you know, my answer has been, "Well, you don't need oxygen, you know, to survive more than a minute, but you do need oxygen, you know, right. you, you've got to have it." <laughs> Uh, so how long can you survive as a Christian without that fellowship of being in church or through uh, electronics means connected with people? And by that, I mean more than just watching something on a screen. I mean actually interacting with other people because such a part of our Christian journey is being able to, one, be encouraged by other Christians, um, to share with them some of our thoughts about what we believe about Jesus and maybe have some of them corrected because they may be skewed or, or not correct. Mm-hmm. Maybe because of something we've been watching on somebody else's channel, by the way, on, on TV, not mine. Ours is absolutely, absolutely correct. So if you want correct theology, watch ours, right? Yeah. Yeah. But even, but even then I, I say that tongue in cheek because even I at times need my theology corrected. Maybe I've just simply misread scripture mm-hmm. and I, I see scripture through my own lenses and of my history and where I've been. And I need to hear other people where they're coming from so that we together begin to understand what God's word is actually saying. And I don't, and you just can't do that when you're separated from the body, when you're on your own, you know, there's an old illustration of a, it's a really old illustration of a pastor who went to somebody's home in the winter. Uh, and this was back in the days when they had fireplaces, you know, real fireplaces Right. And this person hadn't been in church in a long time. And so the pastor sat down there, didn't say anything, but he took the tongs and he pulled one of these really hot red embers out and he put it on just the edge of the, the front of the, the mantelpiece of the fireplace, of the, uh, the hearth there. And over about a minute or two, it began to grow darker and darker. And eventually a little puff of smoke came out of it and it just went out. And then the pastor took that and picked it up, and he put it back into the fire, and immediately it just came back to flame. And the person who was sitting there said, Pastor, you've preached the greatest sermon I've ever seen. I'll be in church next Sunday. Wow. So so then should if we're in that position where we've been away for a while, and maybe we're thinking, I know, I need to get back, but I really like doing, you know, sleeping in Sunday morning, watching online, at, on demand, and that sort of thing. Is it, I don't know, should, should we feel guilty about that? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> okay. And next question. No. No. Well, I, I mean, yes and no. I, I, you know, the guilt part shouldn't come from me just trying to guilt people back in the church or from any member of the church just laying guilt on people to get back. I think the guilt part, my humble opinion, is it ought to come from the inside because God's telling us that you really need the fellowship of others and you really need to get back into that in-person, you know, worship experience and that opportunity to learn and pray and study and work together. Um, and you can't do that just from home. There's some of those things you can do from home, but there's pieces of it you can't. So I don't want people to feel guilty. And and frankly, I don't want them to feel so guilty that they decide not to come back to church because they don't want to even feel more guilty because now they got to look in the eyes of their pastor or they, in the eyes of their Sunday school teacher and try to make some excuse why they've not been here. Mm-hmm. I'm saying we're in a period right now where I just want to say to people, there is no harm. There is no foul. You are not here because of, well, hopefully not because of some reason that you just hated the church and walked out. I, I'm hopeful that you have not been here because of this pandemic of which caused you to get into a habit. And that habit has caused you to not really be back in church because you're just out of the habit. So I want us to enter into a phase in the, the next few months, maybe years, but especially the next few months of saying, 
there, there is no guilt. There is no harm. There is no foul. You may not have been with us for whatever reason, primarily probably because of this pandemic, but it's now time to begin to consider coming back to church. And when you do, I'm not going to stand up at the top of the steps and wag my finger at you and say, you know, you should have been here. Where were you? Uh, I'm going to say, you know what? It's just good to see you. Right. And how is it with your soul? How are you doing? Yeah. And can I pray for you? And, you know, I want to get back to, to being in fellowship together. I wonder how many people do do feel that that thought that, boy, at this point in time, I've been away for so long that I'll, you know, what will they think of me when I walk back in? Maybe a, a good way of understanding that is how would you feel about a child who's been away for a time who shows up at your house again that you haven't seen for a while? You, you're glad to see them. You welcome them in. Probably the same thing about the way people feel about them. You might, you know, we don't always say things as best we could because we're humans, but mm-hmm. do you think that's true for the most part? No, I th- yeah, I think so. And I and again, I agree with you. I hope that's the, how they feel, is that um, they've just been away, not by their own fault. They've just been away for a long time, and it's now to come time to come home. So in some ways, it's like somebody moving all the way out to California, and they just can't get back. And especially during a pandemic, if one of your family members moved to California, they may have missed graduations, weddings, funerals, all kinds of things, and you don't feel, or you, I hope you don't, want them to feel guilty because they couldn't be here. You actually hope they don't feel guilty because the reality was they could not get here. You know, right. they, they just couldn't. But now it's a season in which it's time for us to have a family reunion, to gather back together, and we want them to be here. So we're not going to try to guilt them. Well, you didn't come before, so you better come now. That's mm-hmm. And, again, I hope people don't hear me saying that to them. What uh-huh. I'm saying is you for some of you, you couldn't be here. For many of you, you couldn't be be here, and then that caused you to get out of the habit of coming. Please don't stay away because you might feel guilty. Come back because we long to be with you again. And this word is going out to people who can come back to church. Certainly, there, if you cannot come physical reason, distance reason, uh, yeah, it's great that you can interact with us online, and we want to even do better of absolutely. interacting with you, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, and I hope, too, that as we, we reach out through this, you know, digital platform, I hope that people do connect to us, that they get our, our podcast, they see our worship online and worship with us, or they see some of the devotions that I put in. I know you've put out some things on Facebook, too, uh, the blessing of the day. And so mm-hmm. I hope that they do connect with that, even if they uh, you know, live far away from here or they may just live down the road. I don't know. I, I hope they continue to connect that way if they can't connect in any other way. But I hope if they're close by that if they can get here, that at some point they take that next step and, and step into uh, coming to find out who we are in person. Um, I, you know, I'm probably much thinner uh, in person than I am, you know, uh, you know, online because, uh, you know, the camera adds, I don't know, 50 pounds or something they say. But but I hope they'll come to get to know us so that we can really get to know each other and pray with each other. So here's what I'm wondering, then. Mm-hmm. Um, this this has changed. I, I, I've been on staff here at this particular church since a, a little bit over a year before the pandemic hit. And it's been amazing to me how I've noticed us all changing. So let me ask you that question. How have the events of these last couple of years changed you as a pastor? Mm. I, I'll just say this has been the hardest season I've ever had to deal with because seminary or my previous training as a pastor uh, – never taught me to deal with really not being able to be in person with people. And again, I, I don't mean to 
keep saying that we have to be in person, but there's something about, for example, going to the hospital room when I have a parishioner who's either getting ready for surgery and I can go and be with them and be with the spouse or the children who might be there and have prayer with them and give them as much support as I can and then hang around for a little while while they're being taken back to another room where the family's not allowed as they're getting ready, prepped really for surgery. Um, or to be able to go to the hospital when somebody's now on hospice and they only have a few days or hours to live. And I can't get into the hospital to even stand with a parishioner who's dying. And there is a chaplain who will go and be with them. And, th- and I'm thankful for those chaplains in the hospital who do. But there's something about having your own pastor there in those moments. Um, and, and it's not because of who I am, um, it, but it's because of the friendship that I may have created with this family um, and it's just something about, you know, this is the pastor I've heard preach. I've had this, heard this pastor pray before, and, and now this pastor in representing the church has come. And here at this church, we're big enough that I try to say it's not as important that the pastor minister to people as it is the church has been a ministry, because sometimes I was not the one who went to pray with people. Sometimes either another pastor or a layperson from our church did, because we have such a large congregation. And we can't do that. And right. But I feel that as a pastor because that's part of my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Not my own. It's not the only one who's responsible for all that, but it is part of mine. So that that has changed. The, the thing that's kind of also bubbling under a conversation like this, something that I think we've all grown tired of talking about, and that's just how divided we all are. And, and certainly the thing that has made your job more difficult is the fact that uh, Uh, People with very strong opinions on one side or the other don't understand why you haven't made a decision that falls squarely with where they are sometimes. Mm -hmm. And the fact is you really, you know, you have to kind of pick and choose the decisions you make and the battles we we feel like are, are worth fighting. But what, what do you say, have to say to the heart of the person who inside there's something just spinning like an Indy car inside of them with a, Oh, but pastor, this, 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 and the side, and when people are doing this and politics, this and this, mm-hmm. what do you have to say to the heart of those people who are still just spinning inside with this uh, divisiveness that's going on among us? Sure. Well, I, one of the things that I would say is what Jesus said, and Jesus, Jesus said, "In this world, you will have trouble." Mm-hmm. And so, part of what I hear you talking about is all those issues that cause us trouble, uh, both okay. externally but also internally. So, mm-hmm. trouble comes in a variety of forms, and some of us frankly, is of our own making, but but um, we're going to have trouble in this world. So we're going to come against things that that are difficult, physical challenges, illnesses, death, um, as well as political issues. You know, do we mask or do we not mask? Um, all kinds of political issues uh, these days about, about, well, things that are just going on in the world, racism, uh, sexuality issues, just all kinds of issues that are out there. And I would say to, to people that, yes, these are, are all, all important issues to some degree or another to all of us. They're important issues. But Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. There's going to be strife. There's going to be people who are of different opinion than you, and they're going to vex you. So just realize that. But then the next words of Jesus were, but take courage, for I have overcome the world. And so part of what Jesus is saying, well, I think two things, is one is it's not you to correct the world. It's not your job to make the world a perfect place. That's frankly above our pay grade. That's really God's job. Now we enter into the work with God, 
but I'm not going to solve all the world's problems today. Sometimes people get angry with me because they think a pastor ought to have a direct line to heaven, and as soon as I talk to God, everything's going to be resolved. Well, it didn't happen in Jesus' day when he walked the earth. Why do we think it's going to happen now that Jesus is gone and he's put me in charge? And look who's in charge. If it's me, we're all in a lot of trouble, right? Mm -hmm. So Jesus said, you're going to have difficulties, you're going to have trouble, but take courage because I have overcome the world. So some of that helps my race engines calm down because I realize I don't have to solve all these problems right now, all these political issues, the wrangling issues in the, that we hear about in the news and other places and well, as well as in the church because I believe that God's in charge. Now, when God tells me to speak, I'm going to speak. But until he tells me to speak, I, I'm not going to speak very much, I, you know. There's this old phrase in the Old Old Testament, the book of Proverbs, it's better to be silent and thought a fool than mm-hmm. open your mouth and remove all doubt. Sure. And so I'm trying not to remove, yeah. move all doubt. Yeah. Um, and, and on some of these issues I know that people are worried about, I, we will speak about some of these. In fact, in the next few months we're planning on having some listening sessions uh, on a Sunday night and have groups of about 50 oh. come in. Uh, so we're trying to, to plan some of that out to talk about particular issues that the United Methodist Church in particular is wrestling with. And so we're going to be talking about some of those in the next few months. And I don't, don't think it's going to happen just like tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, so take courage. Uh, Jesus overcome the world. We're, we're going to lean into those questions as we begin to formulate what are we going to do as a congregation and as members of this church, which says at some point we're going to have to make decisions it looks like, by the way, and I know I'm speaking kind of all around this issue, but there's a general conference that's supposed to happen later this year, but I think it may have just gotten canceled okay. because people still can't come. They can't get their visas out of countries who need to come and be a part of that decision-making body. They've already been elected to be a part of it, and if they can't get here, we really can't have a quorum in order for a vote to occur. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, as I said, some questions we're not going to have to figure out before the end of the year. But we need to begin to talk about some of those things. And, and two things here. First of all, I'm glad you didn't choose to be silent today. This would be a really dry mm-hmm. podcast, short <laughs> podcast if you had. So thank you. But um, so since you've kind of waded into this topic, I, I'm wondering too, especially in, in churches like the United Methodist Church that are wrestling with things that uh, not everybody agrees on, has this pandemic been good for that? Because, you know, there was a point in time, I remember before the pandemic, that we're going to stop kicking the can down the road and we're going to resolve this and we're going to do this. And, and then the pandemic came. It was like God saying, okay, chill, yeah, chill. Has, has mm-hmm. this been good for the processes of the church, for all processes of the church, including that? Well, <laughs> It depends on who you're talking to, because there are some people who are ready to leave tomorrow. In Mm -hmm. fact, they'd like to have left yesterday uh, as a church, and they're waiting on what's called the protocol to be voted on, that in the United Methodist Church, our property is actually held in trust by the local congregation, and the actual property, there's a clause in our our, um, uh, title of our, our property that says that the property is actually held by the annual conference. And so our local church only holds this property in trust. So if a church should decide to leave the United Methodist Church, the property actually belongs to the the annual conference, and the right. annual conference over the years have said to churches who want to do that, well, you're, wel- you're welcome to leave our church, but you also have to leave the property because the property belongs to us. That was put in place years ago by 
John Wesley and the early founders of the Methodist movement because they saw the possibility of outside groups joining a church just long enough to get in mm, control yes. and then take the church in a whole different direction. And now they begin a whole new denomination or join a different denomination um, and they didn't pay for the property themselves. Somebody else paid for the property. They just now have benefit of being in charge. And so that's why that 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 particular clause is there. But the protocol, because of how much we've argued over the sexuality issue and the that whole thing, um, they're willing to allow congregations to to leave with their property. Now, there's some stipulations there, but that's why they need to pass the protocol first, which then allows annual conferences to uh, more fairly, for those who are wanting to leave, be able to take property with them. Requires a two-third vote by the congregation. It's not a simple majority. Um, and they have to join another Wesleyan theological theology or a church that has Wesleyan theology or denomination. Um, so there's some stipulations to it. And it's really not only about this the human sexuality issue. There's much bigger theological issues to fry there sure. about our view of Scripture and it's the authority of Scripture and mm-hmm. how, how we view the atonement and whether Jesus was a real actual person or just sort of a, a metaphor for the early church. And so there's some theology behind some of these reasons to want to talk about leaving. And so we're going to be talking about that with our own congregation here in the next few few months. And, and that may be a part of the stirring that's going on with anybody who's asking themselves the question right now, do I return to church? And that is, do I uh, even feel the same about it? Has the church responded the way I've wanted them to? Sure. But uh, here we are at this point in time now. We 2020 played out, and we thought it's finally over, and then 2021, and we saw that it wasn't really finally over. And even still today, sitting here at the beginning point, kind of practically, of 2022, we still have questions. So let's just uh, wrap this up by asking the question again. So are you saying, Pastor, it is time to gather together with the believers if you can? Yeah, I think, I, in my humble opinion, I believe it is. I think it's safe to, to come back. And, and I'll just make this one last statement. I've said in the pulpit before, but I just want to make sure that everybody's hearing me clearly. And that is, there are some reasons why some people might say, well, there's all this arguing going on in the, in the general church, in the larger con- you know, congregation, not just our congregation, but in the larger church. Why do I want to go be a part of that? And as I keep saying, I'm not here to solve all the issues of the general church. I'm here to be the church on the corner of Maine and Perry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is where yeah. God's called us to be the church that, for the Peoria community and for others around the world. And my intention is, as best I can, is to hold this flock together and to be in ministry right here on the corner of pain and you know, pain and pain and <laughs> man, that's a Freudian slip. Right? It was, but that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. You know, right here. And so we're just going to serve the Lord here. And it's not that we're not going to address those larger issues, but frankly, I got some pretty big issues to fry here about loaves and fish and how we feed the homeless and the hungry right here during a pandemic. And we mm-hmm. need volunteers mm-hmm. for that. And so I've got other, you know. No pun intended. Fish to fry for loaves and fish. Besides, besides some of the other arguments that are occurring, that frankly I have no control over. 
I do have control over how we serve the Lord in this location. Amen. Well, I, I really enjoyed it when we wrapped up these podcasts with a prayer. I think that's a great way to go. So would you mind uh, praying over this uh, as we wrap up? Sure, I sure will. Uh, gracious God, I just pause for a moment to pray for all of those, especially today's podcast. We wanted to really communicate with those who maybe for whatever reason have chosen not to be back yet in church. I want to pray, Lord, for those who who need a little prodding. Lord, let them feel a little guilt not because of what I'm saying, but because, Lord, they need to be obedient to you. But, Lord, I pray when they walk into this church, they don't feel guilty because they've been away. Because, Lord, many of them couldn't be. Some of them got into habits not of their own fault, but just because of the situation that the world's been in. And so I pray, Lord, may they hear grace. May they hear your love. May they hear the call to come back and be a part of the fellowship of believers. And, Lord, help us to encourage and love one another in Jesus' name. Amen. And we are certainly thankful for the gift of this digital platform to get out messages such as these. You can help us pass it along by liking and sharing this on social media. Also, media. also please subscribe or follow us on your uh, platform, whether it's YouTube or a podcast platform that helps us also to get out the word. The 116 is a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria. It's a podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. And uh, go to PeoriaOne.com to connect with us. PeoriaOne.com. That's a great place to help continue the conversation or come to the corner of Mary and Payne or Perry and Maine in downtown Peoria uh, to also continue that conversation with us. We'd love to have you back with us. Thank you so very much. My name is Greg Fish. It's been a pleasure to have you with us on another episode of The 116.